live from the heart of Los Angeles. This is the at-home edition of the Life Changes Show. With tonight's guest, founder of Evolving Leadership, Mila Popovich. And musical guest, Ryan Wisniewski. I am Mark Leisure, and now our host, the MC, the master of change, Filippo Voltaggio. I am so excited about today's show for so many reasons. I have had a wonderful time getting to know our guests uh, from the videos that I have seen from some of her writings. Uh, We also got to know her through Allison Goldwyn, who we've had on the show and has become such a great uh, friend to Life Changes and to each of us at the Life Changes show team. And so there's just been this wonderful connection happening and it feels good. It feels like family. And, and for some reason, I don't know why, but I thought of a story I haven't thought about in a long time. But it's not just a story, but it's an evolving story of how I look at and how potentially we will be looking at our leaders going forward, especially with the title of our episode today. And so that being said, uh, as as a child growing up Italian American, uh, we have this beautiful thing the Italians that we give our elders respect, or or they, our parents, uh, wanted us to give our elders respect, and uh, part of that was to have us call everybody that was older uncle or aunt, and so whether they were our uncle or aunt by birth or family relation. Uh, we would call them that. And so it's a lovely thing. And as a child, uh, we would do it. And then as we got older, it kind of got confusing as to which were our real, quote unquote, aunts and uncles. And then we were figuring it out. And then it just became kind of a, that's just what we do. And as I got to be a young man, and I started to see that there were some men and women who I didn't really resonate with, or maybe even I didn't respect as elders or wouldn't go to them for advice or didn't like what they were doing in the community or within their families or our families. I I had this turmoil inside myself every time I had to say uncle or aunt. Um, And it got to the point where one day I had to muster all the energy I could and and call in all the angels and support because it was that that strong, that important, that significant uh, to to the community, uh, to the culture and to me that I removed the title. And one day I did it and I remember I got all hot and scared and I I stopped calling somebody uncle. I stopped calling somebody aunt and I called them just by their first name. And I remember one person saying, you have to respect me. And I said, respect is earned. And in my heart, I had given 
respect all this time, but no respect had been earned. And as I'm looking today and feeling today about our world and our leaders, I couldn't feel more strongly about that, that respect is earned and where and and that's uh and that's what i'm holding to uh because we have been taught i have been taught to call everybody aunt and uncle when i was a little child within our italian american community but i also have been taught to listen to our teachers and our leaders and our presidents and and what have you and uh now and for a while now i've been saying um no no I'm going to listen to who I believe and who I resonate with. Uh, and today I am excited because right away with what I've been seeing and what I've been learning, uh, this woman has a lot of my respect. I am excited she is on the Life Changes show. And so uh, so, so I can't wait to get started. So we're going to jump in when we come back on the Life Changes show at Home Edition right after this. Have you felt inspired to meditate but you just can't? Do you suffer from anxiety but fidget toys just make you more fidgety? Want to replace negative self-talk in your head that keeps bringing you down? Introducing the latest self-help solution, Phi Beads. Transformational beaded jewelry inspired by ancient wisdom, science, math, and psychology. All Phi Beads are designed to incorporate the powerful Fibonacci sequence, nature's mathematical formula that has shaped our existence from the beginning of time. The Fibonacci sequence, also known as the golden mean or the golden ratio, is recognized by our conscious and unconscious mind and resonates as order out of chaos like we see in plants, flowers, seashells, ocean waves, the pyramids, and in our own body. Not only beautiful, they feel good to wear. Phi beads can help anchor tranquility, positivity, focus, and structure in your life by doing the Phi meditation. Phi meditation helps you harness the power of I am for intention, affirmation, and manifestation. Affirm the life you want. Get your set of Phi Beads at PhiBeads.com. That's Phi, P-H-I, Beads.com. You are listening to The Life Changes Show, live from Vortex Dome, L.A., on the BBS Radio Network, with your host, the master of change, Filippo Voltaggio. You can hear tonight's show and all our past shows on our archive page at LifeChangesShow.com, which include luminaries such as comedian Michael Collier, actress Gabriella Wright, performing artist James Hood, and author Ken Honda. Email your comments and questions to info at lifechangesnetwork.com or askdorothy at lifechangesshow.com. You can also comment via Twitter at Life Changes Show and Facebook at The Life Changes Show. Okay, I am Filippo Voltaggio, host of the Life Changes Show, online with our producer and co-host, Mark Lejour. Well, great intro, Filippo, and, and what an important show, uh, what an important conversation. Uh, but you know what came up while I was listening to you speak is uh, those childhood moments that every one of us have had, whether with boys or girls, and we're going into a new space, a dark room, or a cave, or a deep forest path and then you look at each other and say who's going first <laughs> and and that ends up being the listener 
mm. uh, the, 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 the leader and, and the, the, we become the followers of whoever that is that, that, uh, that jumped in front and uh, often sets the trend. And now we need those pathfinders. And that's what today it's about is to, to be able to uh, shine a light on, on uh, the next path. Mark, I like that so much. And you know what I got also from that is from experience as a child, where if somebody says, I'll do it, and you don't respect him or you don't trust him or her, then nobody else goes. <laughs> um, so. Uh, but if it's somebody that everybody's like, oh, OK, we can do that with him. We feel good. Let's do. So kids know. <laughs> so thank you for that. Indeed. So actually, appropriately, our episode 681, we've titled New Leadership for Human Development and Social Values. Our guest is a global transformer. She is the voice of new standards and ethical leadership in the fields of science and technology, education, economy, and democratic systems. She is an academic, an author, a speaker, an artist, and founder and director of Evolving Leadership. Welcome Mila Popovich to the Life Changes Show. Wonderful to be here with you. I want to start off with saying thank you so much for inviting me, for your hospitality <laughs> at the BBS radio and the Life Changes show, uh, particularly to Mark Lejeur and Filippo Voltaggio for having me here, for opening your arms and your audience. And of course, my gratitude goes to all subscribers and all listeners for the larger community that is gathering now and here with you around such profound topics needed for the uplifting of human spirit. Mm. Mm. Wow. Thank you. Thank you for that. Yes. Thank you for that. Uh, and at such profound a time, Mila. Indeed. Uh, so interesting with uh, Mark's analogy about going into a dark cave and my analogy of, of where do we give respect. Um, we you are at a, a place uh, in 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 the world where you have access to and people are looking at you through evolving leadership as founder and director for the next steps. Uh, so. I can't wait to delve into that uh, conversation. But ironically, um, you and I were just uh, a few hundred, not even uh, not even 100 miles away from each other just a week ago, I think. Um, and, and now you're at, uh, in the other side of the world. So tell us where you are real quickly, where we're broadcasting from right now. Yes, I'm going to jump into the rivers of life with both you and Mark and weave into the stories of childhood um, along this personal journey of mine, I have returned to my native Montenegro, which is right across from Italy, um, <laughs> after 25 years of living in the U.S. I can't say after because, indeed, my life is between Montenegro, then where I was born into former Yugoslavia, but then now Montenegro and the U.S., um, specifically Denver, Colorado. So from one set of mountains to another set of mountains, um, 
it's been an extraordinary journey. And on that path and on that trajectory, the life spiral wound me back on to the place of my childhood in Montenegro. And it's an incredible reckoning and it's an incredible revelation. And indeed, it it is an incredible initiatic journey and another cycle of life. And I must say, um, correlated with the grand shift of the collective and on the global scale, and I would say on the planetary path finding. So I am speaking to you from the beautiful, beautiful ancient Montenegro in the southeast of Europe on the Adriatic Sea. We share the Adriatic Sea with our Italians. (laughs) And um, in terms of culture, we're more like your mix of Mediterranean culture, as well as Highlanders mentality, probably most closely aligned with the Scottish. And it's an ancient, tiny country that I very often compare to a lotus of its own, a beautiful, tiny country of about 700,000 people. Um, and with, But with deep roots in the muds of history. Mm. And... Uh, my personal lifespan goes from that unique historical depth to the mighty young democracy of the day, the U.S. Um, and the you know the grandeur of the continent, its economy, its vision. Um, it has been an incredible stretch. Montenegro is a country and a state of being, I would say, and the state of mind and the state of affairs at the intersection of the East and West. And in that sense, we've been, um, dare I say, um, culturally for sure blessed, but um, historically cursed that every 20, 30 years we see a war Mm. uh, because we are at a powerful geostrategic spot, right along with other resources, um, as well as a portal um, into the West from the east, um, but culturally tremendously rich. And um, this is to sketch for you or scaffold for you a little bit of a lifespan along with correlation between the personal and the collective and amongst um, you know different domains in life and different geographic spots. It's interesting to me that with what's happening in the world right now, friends and and associates from different parts of the world who have had different governing factors uh, or experiences in their life, cultures uh, varying from ours in America, that they each of them would say this is what happened in our country or or this is what can happen in america etc cetera, etc cetera. so there's a perspective that some of us are are missing so for you uh, with your heritage your culture uh, where where you are as you say strategic you're strategic in in many ways because you know the history and and you know uh what what fighting is like at one point i heard you speak on at one point in in Montenegro, four different wars were happening, or four different there were four different factions warring. Yes, yeah. sides. Yes, <laughs> right. Yes, which everybody was fighting everybody. 
Yes, I mean, and that's that's. I'll paint a, a, a quickly. I'll paint a, a picture of the times in 1989. I was in fact born in the former Yugoslavia, which is the union of the southern Slavs or Slavic um, states or regions at that time. And Montenegro was an old kingdom that united amongst uh, five others. You will recognize the names of Serbia, Croatia, Slovenia, Macedonia. um, So there were six um, republics at that time. And um, in 1989, when the Berlin Wall fell, um, this is very, very powerful for us to remember together because it is very much relevant to what is going on in the world right now. So speaking of the cyclical return of lessons. um, In 1989, the Berlin Wall fell because of the opening of the USSR and we were hoping the end of the Cold War, where Gorbachev, uh, Mikhail Gorbachev, was trying to find middle ground and understanding with the NATO pact and U.S. in the leadership. And at that time, the reunification of Germany and the reordering of Europe and the reordering of the world, I would say, Yugoslavia wasn't, even as it was a very successful social project, I will not call it a socialist country, I will call it social project, because we were we chose not to be aligned with one pact as in Warsaw pact nor with NATO we thought at that time that polarizing politics led to polarizing human psyche mm. and the planet mm. and the people and it was a maddening situation And at that time, Yugoslavia, along with India, Ghana, and Egypt, formed what was called the non-alignment movement. It's remarkable times. I call it a social project because in my heart of hearts, I want to believe that that's an unfinished project, regardless of the enormous life loss and disasters and the cost that that it entailed. But... Thinking of it as a social project, I think, is an unfinished vision, at least, and I want to believe in that because it gave me a particular set of powerful values that later on carried me through life out of the rubble of wars. And Yugoslavia at that time and at the reordering of the world uh, was unsustainable to the powers at play, and it was piecemealed and became the so-called sacrificial lamb to the reordering of the world. And not to go too deep into the history, but because of too many foreign interests coupled with the small-minded and narrow-hearted interests of the local elite um, shredded the country to pieces. And at one point, you had four different warring sides because some republics were able to walk away easily, others not, like in Bosnia and Herzegovina or Serbia and its province Kosovo. You kind of know those names and maybe some information from the news. 
because it was too complex. Different groups of people, different ethnicities were living there at kind of borders that were artificially made when Yugoslavia was made. And it was uh, an incredible tug. And Montenegro, who was always a freedom-fighting country because we're Highlanders and have that kind of sovereign, autonomous mentality, for the first time in our history, we decided not to be directly involved and received refugees from all sides. At one point, uh, we had 12% population were refugees from all sides. And I'm proud, uh, I'm proud for that, where you consciously choose to suspend your force. Speaking mm. of leadership, right? Mm -hmm. And we will speak at more length at this, what that means to suspend your force as the ultimate uh, demonstration of, of conscious sovereignty and leadership. Mm. And this brings us a little bit of a historical sketch to bring us forward to this moment. Look at us now. I mean, this is, uh, seems to be a continuation of the Cold War at its worst. And uh, again, we are fretting if somebody's going to press the red button in the, in the Dr. Strangelove fashion. Um, and where I want to turn now is to make our audience, when I say our, I mean American, I'm an American and I'm a proud American. I'm one of those, you know, that cries when I hear our national anthem and the vision that it stands for. And I want to speak about our state of being consciously. I just returned from San Francisco, and the only way I can paint the picture or, or, or give you a sense, which I'm sure will resonate with a lot of our listeners today, is the sound of the white noise of the refrigerator. <laughs> When you wake up in the middle of the night and you realize it's a maddening noise that somehow in the busyness of your life, you were not present enough to your own life to even hear that. But it's maddening mm. in the middle of the night. And mm. it's an eerie silence reverberating with that noise. I walked into San Francisco and it's massive structures and the might of, of the way the U.S. Was, is built, has been built, and realized the tremendous, the, the, the heartbreaking drop in human spirit and energy mm. and the, the silence that I realized how much we need to be there for each other, how much these voices, our voices, my voices, because I'm offering this vibration with you today, how much that's needed to reverberate again through the human heart in the U.S., where there is supposedly, let's say, there is no war as such, but it's a daily war, <laughs> daily survival mm -hmm. struggle. And to also call us back to our hearts and to realize that people are being suppressed and silenced in Russia. People are being destroyed um, in Ukraine. People are destroyed in, you know, all over the world. Uh, you can name the country. We are really being shaken up. Um, but speaking to our audience, to whom I'm 
calling on now is I felt you. I felt you while I was in the U.S. I felt human soul. I felt American soul yearning to bond, to reach out, to cry out, to sing, to call each other, call on each other. I felt the need for new intimacy, new capacity to bond and share our stories. Mm. And for that, I am particularly grateful to you for the invitation, for the opportunity to hear each other's frequency and hear each other's vibration and feel that we are enheartened at least this much together. Mm. Mm. Indeed. And all of that resonated deeply. Thank you so much for having shared that. And it shows that the, the understanding and, and the, the depth of, of, of experience you have had uh, in different ways than probably the majority of people in the world. Uh, you also have another, yet another important way that you have experienced uh, and that is the the culture from from an artist's perspective, poetry, dance, uh, music. You you have danced and started dancing with folk music, and 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 that is the music of people in your uh, in 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 the area where you grew up. But then you took the interest in folk music in other parts of the world. So please tell us how that shaped your experience of people, culture, and the world. Thank you, Filippo, uh, for for weaving this beautifully because we um, just mentioned the need to bond. Mm -hmm. And the dances, especially the tradition of dancing in a circle mm -hmm. that comes from my part of the world, was exactly that. For community building where we could transcend the words and go deeper than words to embody together and to build community together. So speaking again of leadership, and I will continually uh, kind of uh, weave through the, the golden thread of the question of leadership by uh, making brief references to, and that's what it constitutes, right? To say that that's the capacity for community building while nurturing individuality. That is one of the definitions of, of the person and the collective that does that. And uh, both you and Mark spoke about, you know, certain traditions of childhood. And that reminded me, of course, of the beauty of the African spirit, and again to mention the initiatic traditions to be calling each other brothers and sisters. Mm. Uh, you opened up with that, and I think it's, it's um, important that we bring that back. And in that circle, when we're holding hands and moving to um, a rhythm, we are sympathetically attuning right uh, and that's the way to develop empathy 
that's the way to develop syncing up, if you will, um, and building the community spirit and mirroring back to each other those values. Because even in the circle, there's a leader, but the leader is there only to support the spirit and to serve the community. Mm. And in that sense, early on in my life, um, I recognize the personal need um, to belong through the aesthetic states, uh, to belong through personal expression, through to belong through communal expression, and to create those aesthetic states where you are inspired and you are moved to aspire higher, right? And I started when I was 12 years old with the folk dances, which are very diverse and beautiful um, in my part of the world. And then when I moved to the U.S. for some time, I think it was about a couple of years, I did not dance because... I was acclimating and building life, and uh, it was a tremendous shift, uh, really. And then, but the, uh, my soul was suffering, <laughs> and I started seeking out um, dances in the Denver art community, and was really lucky to find a remarkable flamenco master, um, Maestro Rene Heredia, whose uh, um, entire family is originating from from Spain, moved to California, and basically brought flamenco um, to Colorado, for which he was recognized. And then I also met uh, remarkable Middle Eastern dancers, what is locally called belly dancers, but it's actually Raksal Sharki in Arabic, which means the dance of the people of the dance of the East. Mm. And... Um, I was drawn to both because there's a uniqueness of expression. There's the long-established tradition of expression in both dance forms, while in flamenco, what was um, celebrated is the uniqueness of a person's duende spirit, of the character, of the life force that is in you, right? And what was unique about that is also that you know, it was not necessarily just being beautiful and young and full of energy, but it's actually the stories, should I say, life-changing <laughs> stories <laughs> that you get to tell with your maturation. So instead of prettified performances, what was valued is the character, the fuerza, the force in you, the, uh, the, 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 the wrinkles that have stories to tell, that you walk the earth. And, and you can share that with the world. And on the side of the belly dance, what I loved is the ancient tradition of women's leadership. <laughs> mm. uh, from the myths of goddess Inanna or Isis, from her rising, from her wisdom, from the things that we have shared in the women's quarters that we needed to share about woman's body and woman's wisdom and women's life processes and life phases and how that was undulating into a form, ancient form. And I really needed the complementarity of the two forms that if I could... Um, 
characterize them were masculine and feminine principles uh, that I needed for my balance and for my integration. So these are the forms that I've um, uh, spent years uh, with, uh, loved them, cherished them, studied them, performed them. And then with these life changes, I fell in love with being present to one's own existence, to one's own being. We mentioned that before, what it was like to be present in San Francisco. How were we present before to our own lives and business? Mm. And with with years of performing and with my own aging, um, I really wanted to test myself how present I am and how courageous I am. And that too is self-leadership. Um, challenging oneself at one's own limits or meeting oneself at your own limits. And I wanted to start showing up more without pre-prepared performance, without performing for another, without um, separation between the performer and the audience but working with interpretive dance, with experimental theater, with participatory uh, performances, and showing up as I am in that moment, and as I find other, should I say, brothers and sisters in the theater that choose to show up. And that has been, I think, the most beautiful um, experience um, in community building, in um, spirit sharing, in bonding, in being, and becoming together, or co-evolving in the moment. So that's a little bit of a of a kind of <laughs> painting a full spectrum of my development in the arts and bringing us back. Well, Mila, if I can add and expound on that just for for one minute, you articulate your vision so eloquently and i'm so grateful for that and and what was coming to me also is this idea when you're you're talking about the circle and the resonance and the tuning in and the syncing up which of course allison loves to share with synchronistry the the uh that we're learning how to be in that circle again we're learning how to be together and how to function as parts of a whole which is a completely different paradigm than our programming of individuals and separation. And uh, I just really appreciate how, uh, how deeply you express it. Thank you so much. Indeed, um, my, my empathy, I cannot say goes to anybody. I'm thinking on, on my feet here, as you can hear it. My, my empathy is... Uh, with uh, and you are in my empathy I should say shifting the language and shifting our mindsets um, with my brothers and sisters in the US uh, because the pain is palpable the struggle is real the silent scream is audible to me and what I found is that imagine coming from a country that is cyclically experienced wars and somehow, somehow, you feel okay saying Montenegro and it is solely because 
you did not suffer in isolation. And what mm-hmm. I discovered in the U.S., and I will now say before, because I would like us to evolve forward into the next stage of American life mm. and, and the U.S. destiny, um, and to look back on, on what was before as something that we have outgrown and consciously evolved from. So I'll say in the life before that we led um, until we got to a halt with the pandemic and all else um, is that we've suffered alone. Mm. And that can be so much more detrimental than suffering collectively in another country that has, like I said, tremendously tormented history. But there is a solidarity that arose that somehow sustained people. And in the U.S., people were conditioned and trained and taught to suffer in silence and in isolation and to think that somehow when they look throughout, through the window, the world looks order, sanitized, and manicured. And then something must be wrong with you. Mm. That you cannot adjust. And that it's up to you to uh, alone search for remedy. And typically it's to medicate somehow, unfortunately. Mm. And what I'm grateful for now is through the breaking down, there was a breaking open of the realization that we've all been suffering and that we should not be separated in this. And going forward into the next stage, we have to come together because, again, I've said it before, we're not going anywhere until we all go together. And this is my wish uh, and my my um, addressing the your audience today that in the life changes and now in the collective life change that we are on now, it is extremely difficult and that we are pushing forward. And I believe passionately believe um, and consciously expect that we are evolving through this and that I ask of you to hold on to each other, to hold on to whatever's good and true and beautiful within you. And that does not mean shying away from the shadow. Wow. Wow. Mila. Oh my goodness. We all just knew this would be so special and such a wonderful opportunity. And we'll talk more about that. We just have a couple more minutes. Actually, we are already over time for the interview, but this is so important and and such a special moment. And we're so grateful uh, you're with us sharing in this way without specifically saying this is what leadership is or looks like or feels like or sounds like. Mila just did it. She just shared with us from a strength, from an understanding, from a place of that 
new leadership that we're talking about for human development and social values. So we'll, we'll get to touch on just for a couple minutes when we come back. But in the meantime, I do want to make sure that everybody knows how to spell Mila's name and her website uh, for Evolving Leadership and for Mila Popovich. Mila is M-I-L-A and Popovich is P-O-P-O-V, like Victor, I-C-H. M-I-L-A-P-O-P-O-V-I-C-H dot com. Mila Popovich dot com. Wow. Okay, so we'll be right back with a little bit more with Mila Popovich and and. The, just it's this feels like it's just the start of the conversation so we trust there will be much more and we look forward to that when we come back we'll also have our ask dorothy segment and a little bit after that we have our performance guest in ryan wishnevsky who will be performing live on piano here on the life changes show at home edition right after this the Little Dog That Could is the fantastically true story of a man and a little dog that came into his life as his mentor to help him understand the world beyond his human senses and to experience life, love, and healing beyond his human understanding. Best-selling author Filippo Voltaggio, who currently hosts the highly regarded Life Changes show, is an internationally known singer, speaker, and life coach. Filippo offers up his own story, how one little surprise package in fur and four legs transformed his life unexpectedly forever and furthered his path of self-discovery. In The Little Dog That Could, Filippo brings to life the meaning of the adage, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Through the reading of this book, you will experience the journey of real miracles that transcend time, space, and logic while gaining practical tools that will help you navigate your way. The Little Dog That Could is available through Amazon and Barnes & Noble. For more information, visit thelittledogthatcould.com. That's thelittledogthatcould.com. You are listening to the Life Changes Show, live from Vortex Dome LA, with your host, Filippo Voltaggio. You can visit us online at lifechangesshow.com, via Twitter Life Changes Show and Facebook at the Life Changes Show. We are the Life Changes Show, and I am host Filippo Voltaggio. We're online with uh, producer and co-host Mark Lejeure and our interview guest, who is an academic, an author, a speaker, an artist, and founder and director of evolving leadership, Mila Popovich. We're talking about new leadership for human development and social values. I, I, I think we have heard all of that already, human development, uh, when we spoke about her, her culture, her, her countries, her part of the world, which is our world, uh, development uh, from an ancient civilization. We've heard social values of brotherhood and sisterhood and compassion uh, and and the dance of the people and and I, I, there there's so much that is being said here. And what you what you didn't hear and what we can all assume actually uh, in this moment uh, is happening to so many of us. 
with somebody like Mila on a scale of, of world leadership where uh, she shared with me, and I, I won't go into it, of course, but just when we first spoke before the show, uh, this very moment of what's happening with her travels and the people she's meeting with and the experiences that she's going through with leaders and with also people in her community and her family and 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 that she personally is going through as well uh, to be able to show up, Mila, and share from the place that you're sharing today, right now. Uh, that's powerful, and, and I'm grateful, and thank you for showing us and showing up. Thank you so much. I think um, what we have shared today is at, in the code of the name of my practice, Evolving Leadership, if you look at the very first four letters as a mirror, you will see love. It's the word that we haven't oh. said up until now. But it is a loving leadership. I did not want to give up on the notion of leadership only to redefine it, as you so potently did by say, calling for new leadership, right? That's exactly what that is. It is not a leadership of a lionized individual, a grand figure that will... Uh, lead us somewhere. This is the leadership of, of us. This is mm. the leadership of collective intelligence. And leadership in that sense, we can define as aspiration, which is not an ambition to possess something in material uh, way or stat status or prestige, but Aspiration is uh, the, the, the sole desire to become something. So the leadership in that sense can be defined as an aspiration to serve a higher purpose that uplifts your fellow humans. Because we can really only find meaning in co-evolving, in belonging to each other, on, in co-becoming, through in-belonging and co-evolving. So this notion of new leadership is the switching on of the neural network of collective intelligence of our inner individual leadership in aspiration for the highest good through asking ourselves on a daily basis, which we are pushed to do now unavoidably, what leads you? What leads you in your life? How do you lead your daily life? Mm. That, em that, that embodies and encapsulates everything from what we consume, what we eat, what we wear, who we vote for, how we vote, um, what are the values and beliefs, the cultural coding that leads us. These are the questions, and we should leave them as questions because I, I hope the audience is feeling and thinking with us right now. Mm. about their own lives in correlation with the collective life. And that is where the direction of human development is going to go. This is the core of, our, of the process of our joint collective learning. This is 
the social learning that will decide on the direction of human development and what will lead it will be these new values and those values i can tell you and you i'm sure will resonate with what i'm saying those values will arise from a new cultural code from a new cultural meme that is imbued with empathy with love with what i mentioned before is universally true good and beautiful that is life affirming that is bonding us in brotherhood and sisterhood in the greater web of life and those values have always come from the cultural movements and from the arts think of woodstock and the grand shift just one example um you can name many and in that sense i think that the future lies in the unleashing of the creative potential of us and in the unique and authentic individual expression of every single one of us so that the collectivity is more conscious and conscientious and the future of arts is indeed what will decide on the direction of human development the authentic personal and collective expression and for that initiatives like synchronistry the grand planetary event uh the 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 humanities party <laughs> that Alison Goldwyn is 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 preparing and has been curating carefully and stewarding and and gathering and inviting us into is something that we will all need to burst out of this bubble of mm. pressure and tension where we will emerge in some years i expect in say 2 3 years i think we're building just the right momentum mm. for a huge humanities celebration of the our new birth of the new humanities birth through co-evolving co-becoming and in belonging wow beautiful beautifully said i think it's interesting that uh you are uh founder and director of evolving leadership well that 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 is interesting but that evolving leadership you you write it out capital e capital v capital o capital l and then ving leadership and i looked at that and i thought there's got to be a meaning there and in the busyness of life i forgot and I, i didn't see it and to know that love is right there and i wasn't seeing it <laughs> Thank you so much. I will briefly just say um that from all of my experiences as an academic as an artist as an activist I realized that I needed to create an integral practice, integral transformative practice on all scales of human organization from the individual and the inner architecture of our being of an individual 
to the meso or middle level of all organizations such as businesses and communities and initiatives, all the way to the third circle of the planetary path finding. So I modeled it as a set of concentric circles on all scales of being, where at the very center of those concentric circle is, circles is the shift in consciousness as the only way of rising individually and collectively. Mm. So today I feel that I have gone through a, a beautiful dance, a kind of a life-changing run with Mark and you, Filippo, and the listeners of, of your show and the uh, listeners of BBS Radio and all of my beautiful Americans that I miss so much. Um, we have held hands today. So I'm profoundly grateful for sharing a, a dance and a slice of life together. And I'm sure that we will spend more time or reverberate through the universe, at least through this episode today, and uh, remember each other in our humanity all over the globe, and pray, work, and create for Peace Profound. Thank you, Mila. May we dance more together. And and I have to say, when you and I had a, our call getting to know each other, you immediately dove in and said, this is what's happening in my world right now. And you literally said, uh, I'm throwing you in the river with me. And at, <laughs> at first I thought, oh, my God, here we go. And it was a lot. It was a lot. And, and as, I, as we're ending this uh, part of our time together until we dance again, uh, I thought, oh, I see what just happened here. She, it, it was an initiation. It was like a baptism. She threw me in the water not to make me unsafe but to say there are things you need to know and i will i will be there with you we will walk this we will dance this together but we we need to know and and this is the only way uh that i know how to get you to know quickly so that we can move forward uh in the best way possible so thank you for that thank you for all of this yes. what uh, an honor thank you so so much and goodness speed to everybody. Uh, yes, indeed. So Mila Popovich, again, M-I-L-A-P-O-P-O-V-I-C-H dot com is where you'll find her and evolving leadership. And now you know what that's all about. Uh, with a big thank you to Allison again and to you, Mila. All the best to you. Ciao, ciao. Be well. Ciao. Ciao. Oof. And with that, we now have our Ask Dorothy segment. Dear Dorothy, this is Anna Marie, and I live in Los Angeles. A good friend gave me your name and contact information, and from what she says, I believe you may have the answers I seek, so I would like to make an appointment to see you. At 25, I'm still living at home and financially dependent on my parents. I feel like I'm living in a time loop that I can't break because, my, because of my mom. I don't know how to move on. I don't know how to open up my soul. I want to be confident 
and open to love and not scared of the future. My rabbi tells me to pray for a solution, and I have been doing this. I want to move on and have a life, but don't know how to do this. I want to work with children and feel I would be good at this. My mom is emotionally abusive to all of us and especially to my dad. There is so much I want to say to her, but she can't hear me. I keep manifesting strep throat issues and want to stop this cycle. Please help me. My dear Anne-Marie, I thank you for having the courage to reach out for help. I had a very similar situation with my mom, and so I do understand your pain. The good news is that you can break free from this cycle of disempowerment. Your first step is being willing to get a job so that you can move out of your parents' home in order for you to free yourself from the emotional abuse. I intuit that you could easily get a position as a live-in nanny as a way to start a new way of living and being. I believe your rabbi may be able to point you in the right direction and assist you in finding the perfect family to live with and work with and trust that you will explore this possibility immediately. As for your constant strep throat issues, these could easily be stopped with real communication to your mother with what you need to say since she can't hear you. When you speak, you may wish to write her a loving letter saying the things you need her to know. By speaking your loving truth in writing, this could alleviate the holding back of your thoughts and words, which is the emotional cause of strep throat. This could also be a good way for you and your mother to begin honest communication, and it could be the beginning of healing your relationship with her. I believe that once you step out of the toxic environment you are presently in, you can begin a new way of seeing and understanding your mother and begin creating a loving relationship instead of staying in the reactionship you appear to be in with her right now. Please give me a call so we can set up an appointment for you to see me as soon as possible so that we can explore these possibilities and more. I know that if you will take a few important first steps, you can and will set yourself free. Thank you, Dorothy. And if you have a question for Dorothy, please write her at AskDorothy at LifeChangesShow.com. And we'll be right back on the Life Changes Show with our performance guest, pianist Ryan Wisniewski, right after this. There are self-help seminars costing thousands of dollars guaranteeing miraculous transformations. There are compelling speakers and life-changing weekend experiences where you can walk on fire. They all deliver revelations that guarantee you'll come back for the more expensive revelations filled with even greater wonder next month on Fiji. We get addicted to positive, heartfelt, expensive theater. What we really need is a jumpstart, an awakening. Someone who can give us a reminder that everything we need lies within. Through inspiration and practical knowledge, Dorothy Donahue helps people get grounded and motivated, inspired and energized. It's not just words and affirmations and the power of intention. It's a mindset brought about by a tangible, transcendental experience, an audiovisual, physical, spiritual experience that helps us realize we transform ourselves. We get tools to become the conscious co-creators of lives of unlimited potential. Find out more. Go to DorothyDonahue.com. The 
Life Changes show is a premier radio show presented by the Life Changes Network, which is a company whose team has dedicated their lives not only to positive change, but to helping others observe and embrace, honor, and even celebrate their own changes, thus enabling a more positive, inspired life and helping to create a more positive and inspired world. From everyday people, celebrities, corporate giants, and children, we are here to help and to serve. With heart, integrity, and experience, we bring our message and positive intent into your lives through the Life Changes Show, lifechangesnetwork.com, and through guest appearances on other inspiring shows and events. If you wish to learn more about Life Changes Life Coaching, a private consultation with one of us, corporate or live event appearances, or if you would like us to appear on your radio or TV shows, please email us at info at lifechangesnetwork.com. We are back, and I am so excited. This is a premiere. It's a very special moment. We have a very special young man with us on the show as our performance guest. He is an international award-winning young artist, pianist, Ryan Wisniewski. Welcome, Ryan, to the Life Changes Show. Hi, thank you. How are you? How's uh, it? I'm great, and I'm excited. The, the question is, how are you? <laughs> oh, I'm 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 doing well. I've got a I've got a concert uh, coming up, so I'm I've been preparing for that. But uh, everything everything has been pretty good. Yes, indeed, you do have a concert coming up, and that's why I want to let the audience know that we have pre-recorded this because during our normal uh, uh, hours, you will be in New York, and. Uh, so because, because why? Because you have won uh, a special competition. Please tell us about it and what part of the prize is. Uh, well, a few years ago, maybe two years ago, I, I was preparing a piece and I stumbled across, or should, I should say my parents and I stumbled across a, a festival online. Uh, and it appealed to us because... One of the prizes was that you got to play at Carnegie Hall. And so I had a piece that I had been preparing for a while. Um, I refined it. I did a couple of takes. I sent it and I got the gold medal. And so this this Sunday, I'll be, I'll be at Carnegie Hall and I'll be performing this piece. Prokofiev's Diabolic Suggestion. That is so exciting, and and we're going to get to hear it before you're going to perform it at Carnegie Hall. It's going to be your first time in New York, your first performance in New York and Carnegie Hall, your first performance today on radio, and uh, and and your first interview. So you're on a roll, uh, Ryan. <laughs> so so proud of you. You know, you you mentioned your parents. I know your parents. And I, I think they're wonderful people. I like them very much. And it was funny to me when you and I were talking, you said something like your parents forced you into piano. And, and I had this moment like, I can't see them doing that, but I, I can. Uh, so they did. But you said it was a good thing. Tell us. Right. About it. Right. Well, um, like I said, I was I was forced into it. But I'm very glad that I was forced into it because now I have uh I would say a, a work ethic and, and uh, appreciation of like of, of dedication. Um, I've I've been able to 
kind of apply these these skills of work ethic and appreciation almost in in all my subjects in school and and with my friends and I think it's given me a very unique perspective on life. Uh, one of the, one of the biggest things I would say is after performance, there's this like incredible sense of relief and and happiness. I wouldn't say euphoria, but uh, something mm-hmm. along those lines. And it's just it's really incredible when you see um, your your commitment months and months, if not years, of of work coming together. And also the the harsh reality is it doesn't always come together. And that's that's also part of the process. Mm. Well, actually, when sometimes when something's not coming together, you you actually like can't even get up off the piano or the organ, uh, whichever one you're you're working with at the time, right? You you have it it almost overwhelms. It compels you to stay and keep going or keep working through it. You were saying sometimes it doesn't. Uh, always work out and and it's interesting because part of the process is also sticking with it until you find out whether it is or it isn't going to work out like you you at one point you said something about you sometimes can't even get up you have to stay right. on the bench working well that's that's i would say um part of the i'll say that that's more of a of, of a mature kind of um perspective because this is one that I've, I would have to say I've, I've developed over the years, and I'm sure many musicians can attest to this, that when there's something and, and um, there's a piece that you heard or you're learning and it's not coming out, but you know if you stick to it for at least maybe two months, it might seem like to maybe some non-musicians or, or uh, some other people, that's to my, that might seem like too much of a, of a, a calendar, you know, but that's 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 the reality and so it's it's part of that like pushing yourself and coming to that conclusion of if you can do and and the i mean like i said sometimes it doesn't come out the the thing is if you work it will come out i would say you know um so it's it's all up to the individual well speaking of uh, maturing uh, so you've been doing piano some form of piano since you were four what did you call the little piano that you saw was it christmas morning right it was christmas morning i came downstairs and it was like a a small little uh alligator 10 keys and maybe kind of funny sounds honestly i I don't remember but just the fact that i was so invested in at that moment i guess must have my parents must have seen something and and after that i got uh uh, upright piano put in the in the against the wall in my living room um, I, I just kept working and then two years later I got the baby grand piano that I have today wonderful and and then you you kept at it hours upon hours a day and then right. when you say two years ago uh, you your parents came across this competition you were 16 so so it, you won this at 16, right? Yes. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And and because of everything that's been going on in the world, you haven't been able to 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 get your prize of being able to perform. So here you are, two years later, and uh, wow! C- congratulations. Actually, uh, without further ado, we're going to get to hear the piece that uh, Ryan is going to be performing at Carnegie Hall. 
this coming Sunday. Here is Ryan Wisniewski at the piano in his home at the Baby Grand. His parents bought him, performing his winning piece, Prokofiev's Diabolik Suggestion, Opus 4, Number 4, live on the Life Changes Show. Thank you very much, Ryan, <laughs> Ryan Wisniewski. Wow. Uh, all right. So if you want to be following Ryan, because he's the guy to follow, actually, you can go to uh, Instagram and find him at Ryan the Cherry Man. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. And then we also have his YouTube channel up uh, as well as a, a beautiful piece uh, in a video that he's performing on our web page uh, for him uh, on our website. So if you go to lifechangesshow.com, you'll find it there under Ryan Wisniewski. Actually, I, I'm going to spell that. Uh, Ryan is R-Y-A-N and then Wisniewski is W-I-S-N-I-E-W-S-K. K-I. Ryan is Polish. I, I tried to say it in Polish and you, 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 you 
saved me and said, yeah. say it the way everybody else says it. <laughs> can, can, can you pronounce it for us in Polish? Uh, well, in Polish, the W is said like in the English V and the S has a little, like the, the real spelling, uh, the S has a little um, accent mark. So that's like a SH sound in English. So really it would be Wisniewski. And to, I learned to, something like today. These. Yeah. Yes. And what does that mean? Well, the root of that uh, word, uh, Vishnya, the first six letters, means it's like a dark, dark cherry. So that's that's where I got my name from. I was just on the bus one day um, in high school, and I, I had I hadn't made my, an account, and all my friends had one. So I just thought, you know, something unique, something I don't know, special, and something truthful. So. That's that's what I just came up with at that in that moment. Now, Ryan, you were born here in America, right? Yes. Okay, but both your parents are from Poland. Are you, are you okay saying what part of Poland? Um, sure. Yeah. Well, my mom is from Wrocław. My dad is from, from what I know, Piwa. From what you know, okay. Uh, uh, so wonderful. I I know that your family truly uh, celebrates the the heritage, and I, I think that's wonderful. And you play music from uh, every classical composer. Uh, you also uh, don't just stick to classical. In high school, which wasn't too long ago, you were playing in the musicals, right? Right. Uh, and and you also play church organ music before we talk a little bit about organ music what other styles of music do you also play what other styles uh-huh um, i'm not sure what other styles there are uh, <laughs> okay. well, so no was, rock and roll or or I jazz or actually no. um uh yeah i have been learning a little bit of jazz recently huh? i've kind of um i've developed something for bill evans He's definitely oh. one of my favorite, and um, just finding transcriptions online. Um, I like well, just just to name a few, like someone in love, um, mm -hmm. Danny Boy. I've been I've learned that one recently. Just small things on the side, nothing nothing as serious as the classical piano, but um, yeah, definitely definitely fun and very I would say much more intimate than a lot of other uh, genres. Not 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 very grand, but um, much more kind of like. Well, I mean, well, where I practice in the, in the practice room is like a small, kind of like four by four room. So that sounds that's like the perfect setting for me. Right. <laughs> uh, uh, speaking, jazz, so, speaking of grand, uh, so the piece you picked and you won. Uh, which was the uh, it, it's the gold medal at the AADGT International Young Musicians Festival. Uh, that piece, what what drew you to that, or when did you first get drawn to that? Because I imagine it was a while back. Right. Well, uh, I was listening to a lot of different composers and different pieces, and I had a, a, a good list of a few. Um, I think I learned a few out of those. But anyway, with this specific piece, I, I was really drawn to uh, the rhythm and the kind of like hidden melodies because you have this this main line. Maybe I'll, I'll just play it so you have that over and over mm -hmm. again. 
uh, up and down, and you have it in the in the lower registers and the higher registers, and it's just like played around with and and uh, just to add a little thing about this whole diabolical thing, I don't. My I would say interpretation is not specifically to you know, make everyone feel panicked and scared and everyone, uh, you know, to just freak out all the time. That's not really the intention. Uh, what I've been working towards is kind of like a more like playful side, like almost like um, like a puppet show, almost like this diabolical piece. Mm. And almost like, you know, for kids, if, you know, when when you're playing with kids or if you've ever, not you, but if uh, if anyone's ever, um, like played around with the kid or, or I don't know niece nephew you're not actually trying to like scare them you know like to like hide, hide under the bed or in the corner but if you like tease them the right way if you kind of push their buns the right way then you know they have fun and, and they but they're also scared so you know in in more than one way your you know your your goals achieved so that's what I've been trying to do in this interesting interpretation interesting okay well uh, so really quickly, uh, the organ uh, is is a fairly new instrument compared to the fact that uh, to you compared to the fact that you've been playing piano longer. But uh, it it also has new elements, right? Pedals and sounds, right? Tell right. Us, tell us your experience with that. Which hopefully one of these days we'll get to hear you also play on the show. But uh, so yeah, tell us, tease it for us. Uh, well. Not you know not now that I think about it I I I believe I've been playing this piece that I just played longer than I have the organs which is a little bit of an interesting thought. Oh, interesting. Uh, <laughs> I would say with the organs. Well, I was introduced to it by the by the church organist at my church, and he's a he's a nice guy, and and he sits in the balcony, and he kind of like controls this grand thing that you know usually you just kind of like admire for one hour and and go home. But I was curious one time and. I uh, went up to him, we talked about it, and he showed me the, the stops, he showed me all the 32, 64-foot pipes, all the ranks and all the stops, and um, it's just, it's, I mean, maybe this will sound maybe like naive, but it's just one, one big toy, and I, I love to play around with it, and um, all the keyboards and, and coupling um, keys, keyboards to other keyboards, like, like kind of like uh, overlapping the sounds. Um, combining pieces and there's a lot of repertoire for the organ specifically with Bach so I'll kind of go downstairs to my basement for Bach for maybe an hour or two and come upstairs for everything else <laughs> wow wow well uh, th thank you for sharing that I, I I've never heard it described this way you actually said it's uh, on the organ with the foot pedals it's almost like having 12 fingers that you're working with so uh very interesting. Well, uh, it, it's it's a pleasure talking to you and 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 congratulations to you. And and we're gonna get to have the pleasure of one more piece. Right. This is going to be Ryan performing live again online. Uh, the Rachmaninoff Etude Tableau Number Four on the piano on the Life Changes Show at Home Edition.
וואו. וואו. רן ושניאבסקי, תודה רבה רבה. מה זה? follow Ryan at Instagram account Ryan the cherry man no Ryan R- what's that no space no underscore no underscore all one word Ryan the cherry man and then uh, we have his YouTube channel up on our web page for him uh, Ryan I congratulations I, I'm uh, just delighted I'm so grateful to both your parents for the facilitating this happening actually I'm happy that they forced you to do this I could see it they wanted what was best for you and obviously it was the right decision I also want to thank my dear friend uh, Peter Yandua Hudson who has introduced me to your mom and your dad and you uh, so many years ago and uh, unfortunately I haven't had the chance to see you perform live yet but I look forward to soon in the meantime we were able to capture these wonderful performances on our show uh, and I have to say Ryan it's it, speaking is a skill set uh, uh, especially even if it's about our art or something we're passionate about and speaking live uh, on radio in public and then performing right after that uh, you did amazingly so oh, for, well thank you So congratulations to you in every sense of the word. So uh, proud of you. And uh, so be on the lookout for Ryan Wisniewski. Uh, all the best to you in uh, Break a Leg. H- uh, how do you say it in Polish? Uh, in Polish? Yeah. I mean, in my family, we just say it like good luck or I don't know. Oh, in you do? Polish. Okay. <laughs> I, can't, I can't think of the phrase right now. <laughs> okay well I'm in sure Ital- there is. I'm sure there is. in Italian we say in Boca Lupo uh, and so w- whatever it is it's it's uh, can't wait to hear uh, about how wonderful it was on the other side of this performance and your New York experience Carnegie Hall and all so what a show uh, once again a big thank you to Ryan Wisniewski and to our interview guest Mila Popovich and Uh, on behalf of our executive producer, Dorothy Lee Donahue, our producer and co-host, Mark Lejure, I am your host, Filippo Voltaggio, reminding you that as your life changes, as ours surely did tonight, we're here for you. Ciao, everyone. You have been listening to The Life Changes Show on the BBS Radio Network. Listen live every Monday night at 7 p.m. Pacific time and visit us online at lifechangesnetwork.com, on Facebook at The Life Changes Show, and on Twitter at Life Changes Show. Join us again next week as we consciously explore and embrace the only constant, Life Changes. The Life Changes Network is an entertainment network. The views and opinions expressed are those of the guests and participants and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of Life Changes.